Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm back home in the studio. I've been on the road with the family and uh, traveling a lot. Appreciate your um, tuning in and patience uh, with me with different sets that we've had to design while on the road. Uh, an important time, an important week in the fight for life, as you well know. Today is Thursday, June 23rd. And we expected a decision from the Supreme Court on the 21st or perhaps today by the end of day. Doesn't seem like we have gotten that decision quite yet. So it will likely be next week sometime, the final week of June. The Supreme Court is supposed to release their decisions in the month of June for this session. And we have not heard the ruling on Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization yet. The Mississippi Gestational Age Act, which would ban abortion at 15 weeks and if allowed to stand, is a functional overturning of Roe versus Wade. And if you've been listening to the show and you know what's going on in the country, then you know that there was a leak from the Supreme Court that's never happened before that shows that the Supreme Court intends to overturn Roe versus Wade. All of these puzzle pieces aligning, it feels like, both spiritually, culturally, and politically in the fight for life. And so it is, comes as no surprise to me that we get this bombshell story from live action released today, Thursday, June 23rd, once again exposing the evil people behind the abortion industry, which shouldn't surprise you. These are people who kill babies. These are people who rip them apart in their mother's womb through point of birth. And we're going to have our friend Dr. Brent Bowles on the show today shortly to discuss this horrific story. The story is this. Dr. Santangelo, the serial murderer who we did an entire episode on, okay, who murders babies up through point of birth and who likely performs partial birth abortions. Do you remember the Justice for the Five campaign? You remember my friend AJ Hurley who guest hosted this podcast just a few days ago who helped hold the children who were murdered by Santangelo at the Washington, D.C. Surgery Clinic a couple months ago? Two of those babies whose heads were half collapsed in. Why were they half collapsed in? Because they had their brains sucked out. Because that's what a baby looks like after a partial birth abortion. The same abortionist, the same freaking abortion clinic just got exposed through undercover footage and expose by live action for requiring pregnant women coming in for an abortion to take Xanax, a medication that can cause drowsiness and impair memory, before they're allowed to meet with the abortionist before they're allowed to give their final consent for the abortion. This is the same abortion clinic, the same facility behind partial birth abortion, which Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., refuses to require autopsies for to confirm whether federal law was broken or not. Another story, another piece of evidence that proves the importance of overturning Roe versus Wade, prosecuting the people who kill babies, and finally protecting the right to life of every unborn child. This story is going to give you a stomach ache, but it's about time we start getting more uncomfortable and nauseous about the evil that happens in our country. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. So before we bring in Dr. Brent to the show, which, as you guys know, is our in-house OBGYN here at Unaborted, I actually want to play you this undercover video. I think it's important for you to hear and see everything that happens before we unpack it and exactly what is going on 
in this interaction between this pregnant woman and the the workers at this killing mill, this concentration camp, this abortion clinic. In this video, you have a 28-week pregnant woman who has now filed a complaint with the D.C. Medical Board regarding this obvious breach of ethics surrounding informed consent. According to live action, experts who have filed affidavits supporting the complaint say that making patients consume mind-altering medication prior to meeting with the abortionist is a grave violation of basic medical ethics. That should come as sort of a duh. You shouldn't need to be trained in bioethics to understand how unethical and immoral um, such a situation is. The complaint notes, quote, the acute administration of Xanax risks cognitive impairment, which includes poor attention and anterograde amnesia as manifested by difficult learning new material. It also states admitting Xanax prior to a full medical consultation appears to be a negligent, if not reckless, practice of medicine. Thank God for our friends at Live Action and their brave undercover journalists exposing what so much of us know to be true, but what most Americans don't know to be true, which is this. The abortion industry cares about as much for the women they claim to serve as the babies they kill in abortion. In other words, the the client, the pregnant woman, becomes just as much of a sacrificial lamb as the unborn child already is to the abortion industry on the altar of abortion access. And so let's play this clip. We're going to dive into it and unpack it all for you. Let's run this clip. I'm just feeling very self-conscious because I feel like you guys probably don't see a lot of people as far along as I am, except for, for like, medical emergencies, and... No, not at all. I mean, I know that it's... Oh, yeah. Nah, you're fine. Yeah, it's not... It's, it's not like the odd one out. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, we see a lot of people as far further than you. You guys seem really busy, but she said it's because of MLK. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about, like, the... The removal process because she said it's not labor no you don't go through labor okay um well i'll tell you what you can ask the doctor that specific question that makes sense he would know yeah he would know because he's the one doing it so right be able to explain actually that would make me i would feel very i would be glad to be able to talk to him directly yeah. since he would know yeah she said that um i'm sorry thank you she said that um she won't feel anything. No. It, Are you fetus, sure? Yes. The fetus is completely comfortable. We do it as humanely as possible. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Um, and uh, that's good to know. Um, will she already be... No. We, we don't do the... A lot of people do the injection through the heart and all that. We don't do that here. Okay, I didn't even know, okay, yeah. so. So she'll be, well, she'll be alive when you go to sleep, but she will definitely have passed before he does anything. That's what I was wondering, so, mm -hmm. so, I'm sorry, so for, um, once he's actually doing a removal, she's all, she's, she's already, it's just remains yes, at that point. Yes, exactly, exactly, she's already gone. Okay, and then, um, the remains are just like incinerated, or? Yeah. Okay. It goes to medical waste. Okay. Is there, just because it's a, you know, the gest the gestational, um, is there much concern about 
late labor? Like bef before we get to Saturday? Um, well, there is a possibility that you could go into premature labor. It's unlikely. It's not, yeah, it's not likely. It doesn't happen very often. But if it were to happen, don't panic. I'm going to give you a sheet that has our clinic number highlighted. Okay. And anytime, day or night, does not matter. Just give okay. us a call and we'll tell you what to do next. Okay. Did you have any questions on that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So I just need your initials in the highlighted area. That just says we talked about it. This is the possibility of, yeah. this is the possibility of labor, basically? Yeah. Spontaneous abortion. I'm sorry, that, that means... Uh, you may go into premature labor and deliver the fetus in your hotel. Right. Yeah, it's literally what, what we just talked about. Okay, what huh? do you tell me to do when that happens? Um, that depends on you the You guys doctor. come and, like... He could come and help you take care of it. We could just tell you what to do with the remains. It just depends on... Um, yeah, it just I'm depends sure. on what happens. I'm not, like, super worried about it, but uh -huh. I just don't imagine the hotel would be psyched. <laughs> Well, that's okay. <laughs> That'll be your last concern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point. Yeah, that, that'll be the last people you'll be thinking of if that were to happen. You guys have, like, this is what you do. You have experience this far along. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, it's not just at, like, 22 or 18 or something. No, no, we okay. specialize in this far along. Okay. So... What are these? These are the same ones I just gave you in the envelope. Okay. So the two big blue ones are the doxycycline. That's your antibiotic. Okay. The two white ones are the acetaminophen, your pain medicine. And then the two blue ones are the Xanax. Those guys are just going to help relax you. Um, is it okay if I take these after I talk to the doctor? Uh, well, unfortunately, they need to be in your system in order for the Before doctor can to do, do the anything. procedure. Okay. Just because it's going to, the pain medicine's going to keep you comfortable. Does Xanax affect, like... The fetus? No, not the fetus. Okay. Um, just my clarity of thinking. It shouldn't. I mean, you might be a little sleepy, but... Um... Yeah, other than that... I would, I would really... I don't mind if I have to stay longer. I'd really rather talk to him first. Uh, is that not, is that not usually how you guys do it? Yeah, that's unfortunately, like I said, um, we have to make sure that that's in your system before you talk to the doctor. He's not going to be able to speak with you until he is ready to do it. Okay. And you're actually pants off in the room. Okay. Um... I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Is it okay if I if I step outside to just call my husband for a second? Uh, yeah, you just need a minute? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to make... Okay. I know you're busy. Um, That's okay. I will be... I'll be right back. Wow. So if you notice the timestamp on that video, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening, I, I want you to know that actually said January 2022. And so Live Action has strategically planned the release of this, and rightly so, in order to push the envelope 
in the fight for life in this last moment, this last few days before we expect Roe versus Wade to get overturned. And so th- there were a lot of disgusting things said there. I-, I think it's very actually important for us to unpack it all, to talk about it all, which is what I do on this show, because this is very important for you to be able to concisely and persuasively point to as proof positive that the abortion industry doesn't give a rat's ass, okay, about the women that they claim their entire industry exists to serve. We know they don't care about unborn babies. They call them untermensch, subhuman, blobs of tissue. But they say they exist to serve women and, and, and to protect women's health. Remember, abortion is health care, they tell us. Uh, and so I think this is very important to prove exactly how untrue all of this, this is. And, and we need to pray that this uh, finds a piece on Tucker Carlson on an anywhere else that can break some of the mainstream media stranglehold on news. So, Dr. Brent, why don't you join us here on the show um, and let's talk about all this. Welcome back, brother. Good afternoon, Seth. That was something. Um, you texted me today uh, about this story, and I had just actually seen it before you texted me. Um, and, you know, live action has done a lot of great undercover, but th- some of the statements just said and the admissions just made by abortion industry workers is un believable. Um, I, I wrote down some of her quotes and some of the things that were said because I, I think we need the the medical professional doctor's opinion and breakdown on, on some of those interactions. But just off the top of it, Dr. Brent, what was your response to seeing this today and watching this clip? It, it was nauseating. Uh, it was actually nauseating. It was infuriating. And it was everything that we have been trying to tell the American people about abortion and abortion doctors and the abortion industry for years. Um, I'm I'm so grateful that live action is still on top of things and was able to do this. Um, There there are a lot of things in that video that that we need to cover for your listeners today. Uh, But one of the first at the very beginning of the clip uh, the point I'd like to to drive home with everyone who's listening today is if you pay attention to this issue and this debate, the industrial complex like to scoff when we use the term late-term abortion, when we use right. that phrase. There, there have been noted abortion industry people, representatives, speakers, figures from the industry who said, there's no such thing as late-term abortion. This doesn't happen. Right. Well, this, this person sitting in Dr. Santangelo's office, um, representing herself as a 28-week pregnancy, that means she's in the third trimester. That means if that baby is delivered alive, it has a 90-plus percent chance of survival at this right. point. Um, and... The, the dialogue showed that she was not there because of a medical complication she was having or because of an issue with the health of the baby. They had just decided not to have the child. So the patient, uh, the person posing as the potential abortion patient, represented herself very well as someone who felt self-conscious about feeling like she was an outlier that the people in this office would not be accustomed to seeing patients that are this far along 
And what did the what did the woman say? Oh no, not at all. Uh, we see further right. than you all the time. Yep. Further than twenty eight weeks, really. Uh, so for the people that like to say there's no such thing as late term abortion, just Google the term. Google will take you to the closest place where you can get a late-term abortion, and the websites for those places usually say in big letters, late-term abortion. Yeah, or what um, they'll say, Dr. Brennan, is they'll say, they'll say it's, it's a super minority, and when it does happen, it's not actually an abortion because it's performed to save mom's life because the baby's going to die anyway, or the baby is killing mom, which, again, assumes the, the uh, argument that they make, which is that abortion is medically necessary to save mom's life um, when it isn't. But they say that, that the, only, the only, you'll hear them say this all the time, the only reason that, that third trimester abortion, well, that's such a Republican talking point, the only reason those are done is because mom's going to die. Um, and yet, I always refer to a 2013 Guttmacher Institute study, Dr. Brent. Go look it up, 2013 Guttmacher Institute study that found that, quote, data suggests that most women seeking later terminations are not doing so for reasons of fetal anomaly or life endangerment. And so that we, we know that data from the abortion industry actually reflects the truth that there are plenty of elective third trimester abortions uh, and and they just proved it to us in in this more in this than, clip. More than a thousand a month. That's yeah. how many are happening in the United States right now. More than a thousand a month are yeah. done after viability. The former um, abortionist George Tiller, when he was still alive, he was speaking to a group of abortion providers once, and he had, at that point. He had probably done more abortions than uh, abortion providers that were there to hear him speak, that 92% of the late-term abortions he did were for purely social indications. And the people in the industry know this. Uh, wow. They know it, but they won't admit it. Um, and your, your point, you, were, you made the point very well that the, the other side says, oh, this has to be necessary uh, when the mother's life in is in danger. Well, let me tell you where someone needs to be when she is pregnant and her life is in danger. She doesn't need to be in some filthy-ass abortion clinic getting Xanax stuffed down her throat where they can't do any CPR and they can't do any advanced medical procedures. If her life is in danger, she needs to be in a hospital where real health care is provided by real obstetricians who care about both the mother and the baby. You know, that's what I do every day. Um, that's what's called good obstetrics. Abortion can't even be called health care. Right. Um, and to say that a late-term abortion is sometimes necessary to save the woman's life is an absolute lie. It is yep. a lie. If you are critically ill, why in the world would you feel good sitting in the filthy office of Kermit Gosnell in Philadelphia or right. any of the other people around the country that do this kind of thing. They, they can't do, C, they don't have the equipment to do CPR. They don't have other medical consultants, cardiologists, pulmonologists, intensive care doctors, anesthesiologists, the collection of people within the medical community that you need to take care of a critically ill woman. It exists at not one single abortion clinic in right. the country, not one. Right. 
And and uh, you know what really kind of gave away the game, Dr. Brent, before we move on and talk about Xanax and some of the other parts of this clip? You recall from a couple years ago, um, or was it two or three now? I guess I'm, I'm getting too old. Uh, the Louisiana... Um, the Louisiana pro-life piece of legislation that went up to the Supreme Court that simply said that abortionists had to meet all of the same medical requirements um, as any other ambulatory surgical center in the state of Louisiana, meaning they had to have admitting privileges at a local hospital to ensure continuity of care. So that if something happened to the woman or she was injured in any way at the abortion clinic, she could quickly be admitted to the local hospital. And the abortionist, having had admitting privileges at that hospital, could provide all of the information about what happened and how to properly care for her. And 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 we, and I covered this in the podcast at the time, and you know better than anyone else, Dr. Brent, the abortion industry, as they always do, they, they rolled out a lawsuit. They were pissed off about this. Now, listen, hey, wait a second. If abortion is about health and your concern is centered on the woman, the pregnant woman, who, who according to they, they, they say what she has pregnancy tissue, pregnancy tissue, uh, which, of course, is a lie. And there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue. Pregnancy is not a thing. It's a condition. Conditions don't have tissue. So anyways, that's beside the point. Um, and you say your, your focus is on the health of the woman. So therefore, you would want all of your abortionists to meet the standards of care and requirements that one must meet in order to be a surgeon, in order to make sure that your patients are properly cared for and in an environment where they can be properly cared for should something go awry. But no, they weren't interested in doing that. And we all knew the reason. And they, they, one of them finally admitted it, Dr. Ben. Do you remember? They said that, that um, not enough of their abortionists would be able to meet those those requirements because they they had freaking ophthalmologists performing abortions in louisiana that that gave away yes. the game right there now we could go back to the 70s and 80s and, and give examples that gave away the game but that was the most recent one in that lawsuit with the louisiana pro-life law and now it's the same thing so so why would they not want to ensure the most proper care why would they want to give xanax to a woman before rather than after meeting with the abortionist dr brent they i thought they just cared about the the women and now this really blows the top off of the dehumanizing nature and the evil nature of the abortion industry if those who kill babies will just as quickly kill and harm anyone else uh, and I think this is what we're starting to wake up to and realize in America, even among squishy pro-lifers who are, I'm personally pro-life, but I vote for Democrats because I shouldn't impose my pro-life views on others. People are starting to wake up and go, oh, gosh, these people don't just hate the unborn. They hate me. And they're, they, they're just as willing to hurt and harm pregnant women in order to sell abortions. So, so let's set the stage with that. And now let's talk about Xanax, Dr. Brent. Uh, tell us about this drug and, and give us the doctor's opinion on what the hell was happening in this abortion clinic meeting room. Well, what your listener needs to understand first is what the process of informed consent is really all about. Um, one of the most common causes of action in medical malpractice cases is when a procedure is done and there's a problem with it and the patient did not receive adequate informed consent. Um, the patients are, you know, have widely varying levels of, of medical and educational sophistication. It is the physician's job 
before the procedure is done to be sure that the patient understands why the procedure has been suggested, how the procedure is going to be done, what the benefits of doing it are, and what the risks are, what complications can happen uh, with a particular procedure. Uh, and the patient then is to be given the opportunity to ask any questions because the patient has the right to know every risk that a reasonable person could be expected to want to know. That's the essence of informed consent. Informed right. consent cannot, cannot, cannot be obtained from a sedated person. The patient must be wow. fully conscious and cognizant of what's going on and be able to remember and recall the conversation. Right. That, that, is, that is essential to the process of informed consent. Yep. There, the courts take this so seriously that when a patient feels like they underwent a procedure and they did not have adequate informed consent, the provider who performed the procedure can actually be charged with medical battery. Um, wow. There is legal precedent for this. It has happened, and it should be happening a lot more wow. to the abortion industry. Um, it doesn't because patients are ashamed of what they did. They're reluctant to be right. um, outed in public as someone who sought an abortion. So there, there just aren't very many abortion malpractice cases that go forward. And what happens frequently when they do is the patient quickly offered uh, uh, a that is sufficient to make her say that again dr brent say, say, say that say that again we had a, a streaming issue say that again one one of the reasons that we don't see more malpractice action against abortion providers is that the abortion industry will often offer the patient a cash settlement in exchange wow. for signing a non-disclosure agreement. So she takes the money, she swears to be quiet, and it goes away, and the same thing happens to, the, to someone else the next day, the next week, uh, whenever. Um, so to the the person posing as the patient seeking an abortion in this video did a very very good job making it very clear that she wanted to speak to the doctor and she yeah. wanted to speak to the doctor when she was not impaired three yeah, times yeah. three times she said i want to talk to him i don't want to take this before and what was she told that's not possible not only was she told that it wasn't possible that the doctor was absolutely not going to come in and talk to her until she had had her sedation, he also wasn't going to come talk to her until she had her pants off. Yep, yep, yep. That And that line How? right there, Dr. Brent, when, when she said that, you know what I thought, Dr. Brent? I thought this is the date rape drug of the abortion industry. This is the date rape drug of the abortion industry. That was immediately what I thought. Unbelievable. I actually wrote it down. Okay, you guys listen. It. Let's just let's just replay this, but with me quoting her. This woman said, "He's not going to be able to speak with you until he's ready to do it. Do what? Stick forceps up your vaginal canal, and your pants are off in the room." 
that, that just sounds like rape. How, how can she even consent to this if she's meant, if she's cognitively impaired and agreeing to something in a sedated form? And she even said it. She said, I don't want it to affect my clarity of thinking. Is it going to affect my clarity of thinking? I'd like, I'd really like to speak to him beforehand. I mean, this is unbelievable. And, and, and yet, and yet it's, and yet it's not, isn't it? And yet it's not. Of course, of, oh, of course, they're perfectly it's... fine harming these women and endangering them. Hey, Dr. Brent, quick question for you. Um, how many informed consent laws has Planned Parenthood supported since abortion was legalized in 1973? <laughs> I, I'm they trying to remember. oppose every single law that has passed to yep. protect patients in the process of informed consent. They sue Yep. And let's name some of them, time. Dr. Brent, just just to put them on the table for my listeners. Let's 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 put some of those informed consent examples of laws on the table. You have um, you have ultrasound requiring an ultrasound beforehand. Um, yes. wh- why is that important? Why 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 would why should a reasonable person support that? A reasonable person <clears throat> should want to support it because the patients, once they see the baby and they realize what it is they're about to do, they usually change their mind. It's well known statistically that 80 to 90 percent of patients who see a baby moving on ultrasound, who see a heartbeat on ultrasound, choose not to proceed with the abortion. Yep, because it's just the reality. Yep. And even if you're pro-choice, let's say you're pro-choice and you want abortion, you want abortion to stay legal, right? But but even though you hate unborn children, you support informed consent. Therefore, you want women to know exactly what will happen in the procedure and how that procedure will be performed on said baby. Uh, now, that's not even a reasonable person. You're just a disgusting pervert who happens to be an honest pervert. <laughs> you, you want the woman to know exactly what you're going to do to her baby. But of course, you can't let her know that because most people are common sense enough realists to reject that when they realize what that procedure is going to do to their baby. Oh, by the way, ma'am, we're going to rearrange the body parts and limbs of your child on the table afterwards to make sure we didn't leave any floating dead baby pieces in your uterus, making you susceptible to sepsis and death. And you're right. You can't be that honest because the entire abortion industry well what's that line from elf you sit on the throne of lies i mean that that literally is the abortion industry today <laughs> they, they you, you go look up aspiration abortions on planned parenthood web, website dr brent what, what do they say they say we remove the pregnancy tissue as i said earlier there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue pregnancy is not a thing it's a condition Con- conditions don't have tissues beings beings have tissue so if you're a human being and you're pregnant what kind of tissue are you pregnant with well, that would be human tissue. <laughs> okay, yes. so I mean, th- so they're not even honest in how they describe abortion. Of course, they're not going to support um, ultrasounds being required before an abortion. What's another example of informed consent? Um, oh, this might increase your risk of breast cancer. Uh, they, they don't. Oh, it could increase your risk of suicidality and drug use. But of course, they deny all those. They never want women to to know any of those details either. It increases the risk of delivering another baby and another pregnancy prematurely. I, you know, I have read informed consent documents for more than one abortion clinic that lie about each one of those facts. Yep. They, they say, nope, it's not going to do this. It's not going to do this. It's not going to do that. And that's provably false. Um, so... Informed consent to be an appropriate informed consent needs to be truthful and honest. 
It needs to be an interactive process where the patient has the opportunity to ask questions like the patient in this video wanted to. She clearly wanted a dialogue with the provider. Right. <clears throat> and a patient has a right to have that. You know, go to, for, for, your, for skeptics who are listening, go to the website for a Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations. Just look up <laughs> Joint Commission. Say that slower, Dr. Brent. That was a mouthful. <clears throat> go to the website for the Joint Commission on the Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations. Yeah. Um, it is a government agency that oversees the provision of healthcare in the United States. Uh, the healthcare industry is one of the most highly regulated industries in the world, in America, uh, and rightly so because this protects all for patient protection. Right. Um, you can search the entire Joint Commission website and look for the word abortion and it's mentioned in one place wow and the only place the word abortion is mentioned by the joint commission is as a sign of recognizing that a person is potentially being trafficked that sometimes women seeking abortion services are victims of human trafficking uh, wow. so it wasn't even a page about abortion on the website that talked about abortion. Wow. It was a page on how to recognize victims. Right. And the, the, the website honestly acknowledges that many times women who seek abortions are actually victims. Right. Um, so yep. to be legitimate healthcare, you, the, the interests of the patient, the right of the patient to understand what is going on, to ask questions, that is all just, it's, it's essentially considered sacred. Yep. Yep. Uh, the informed consent process is very, very strict. Yep. Um, each time I do a procedure on a patient in the hospital where I work, I have to discuss the procedure with the patient beforehand. She has to sign a document agreeing that I discussed it with her. Yep. Um, the nurse who was in the room with us has to sign the document that she witnessed the discussion. Wow. That and that informed consent is reviewed in the operating room by every wow. person in the room before the procedure is allowed to start. That's how wow. important this process is. And for this clinic wow. to continue operating when they clearly said, oh, you want to ask a question of the doctor? Nope. You got to be stoned and half naked before he's wow. even going to come in the room. Yeah. Um, yep. That, and, that's you know, it's, abusive. It's, and it's a far cry from just opposing some informed consent laws. I mean, it's all it's all wicked and disgusting. But but boy, it's, it's, it's a quite a jump to go from opposing like ultrasound before an abortion or the risks of abortion before an abortion and telling women those risks or remember in t Tennessee where you once lived last year, the law that said women need to be told after before they're given Mifepristone, the first regimen of the abortion pill, RU486, that there is a reversal pill 
if they changed their mind after the first regimen. And of course, the abortion industry didn't support that either, despite the fact that the abortion pill reversal is just progesterone. It's just a natural hormone. It's not dangerous right. for mom at all. One other example, my point is this. It's a far cry to jump from opposing that to actually supporting sedating women before they agree to the abortion process with the man who's going to be performing it and they're naked on the table. The, the parallels between this situation that just happened in D.C. with actual just date rapers who won't take a woman's pants off until she's sedated, is, it's, just, it's like you can't make this stuff up. The, the culture of death is almost funny if it weren't so evil because you just can't make this stuff up. And the point of this yes. and the important point that I want to make as we wind down, and I want to ask you a couple more things, Dr. Brent, is that, listen, for, for the old school pro-lifers who get mad at me sometime and they say, Seth, why are you focusing on these things? You, need, you just need to focus on saying abortion's wrong because it kills a baby. Yes, I know. I know. I do that all the time. But listen, these conversations are important because we're not saying abortion's wrong because it harms women. We're not saying abortion is wrong because women are not informed and they just need to be informed. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the moral case. The moral case is abortion's wrong because it kills a baby. That's a human. It has rights. The point is this. So many Americans are living under the delusion that the abortion industry really loves and cares for women that they serve. Millions of Americans are living under that delusion, whether, whether they're yes. personally pro-life but want to keep it legal or whether they're pro-choice but they don't like third trimester abortions and they're a little moderate or whether they're rabid pro-abortion activists. They're all living under the delusion that the abortion industry – they do love women though. Hey, they do support women though. They do care for women. No, they don't. And th th this is why this is so important because it exposes that. It exposes that they're just as willing to prey upon – and harm the women they say they're there to love as the preborn child that they kill. And if we can shake people out of their reverie a little bit and get them to acknowledge that, then they become more uncomfortable with the abortion industry. Then they go, oh, dude, whoa, what the? WTF? I'm not on board with that. Nah, good. Welcome to reality. Now you're on your way to becoming pro-life. So that's why this is important. Now, Dr. Brent, let me ask you this. Uh, are there any risks for a woman who might deliver a dead baby in a hotel room by herself? Do you, did you guys catch that clip where, where she said, well, what happens if I just deliver the baby at the hotel room after the abortion and, and, and then I'm not able to get back over? Uh, is that a safe environment? Is there any, any risks there perhaps, Dr. Brent? Oh, where do you start with that question? First, Remember, she said the, the worker told her, we don't do the injections that kill the baby first. Right. So the unanticipated delivery of a child in, in the hotel room could potentially be a living child. Right. And then what is, what is the patient supposed, what is the mother supposed to do with her 28-week baby that just fell out in the toilet? See, what... What they were talking about was sedating her and having her take her pants off so the doctor could come in and put dilators inside the cervix that would slowly swell and cause the cervix to start to open. In some, now, that takes a day or two, sometimes three, for this to happen. And there's, there's another, that's another piece of proof that if a woman's life is in danger, she doesn't need to wait three days for the laminaria to stretch her cervix so the abortionist can pull the baby out in pieces. She just needs to have her baby delivered. 
Right. T- tell so, our listeners, uh, Dr. Brent, what lami- uh, about laminaria and, and the process of, of um, expanding the cervix. Laminaria, uh, the traditional laminaria is sterilized, dried, compressed seaweed. Right. Little sticks. They, they, they look like little chopsticks, little short chopsticks. So they put these in and they'll put two or three or four of them in the cervix. And over the next day or two, that compressed dried seaweed absorbs the moisture from the body and it swells. So it stretches the cervix open and it makes, it dilates the cervix to make the other parts of the abortion procedure. um, It facilitates that. So, but when you do that, sometimes you stimulate labor and the labor can happen very quickly, especially if it's a premature labor. So a woman who has that done and then goes to the Motel 6 to wait for a couple of days, might suddenly start hemorrhaging and labor quickly and deliver a living baby in the toilet in her motel room where she has no help. Uh, And Dr. San Angelo is not gonna come to the Motel 6 in the middle of the night to take care of this person. And you shouldn't want to be cared for in a dirty hotel room. Uh, that's By an just, abortionist, yeah, 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 yeah. so incredibly mind-boggling. Yep. So, so let's what, pause really quick again, Dr. Brent, just so that um, our people listening understand this. Guys, they're, they're forcibly dilating the cervix over a two- or three-day period. They're not using digoxin. They're not doing an injection through the amniotic sac into the baby's heart to cause a heart attack to kill the baby beforehand. They're not doing it that way. She said it in the video. We don't do the injections. So now you have a dilated cervix. Now you have a baby that could be born alive at a hotel room or perhaps even at the abortion center, right, Dr. Brent? So question, what would happen in the circumstance that that, that could happen? I mean, you are leaving a door open for that to happen. Well, yes, that's why Ben Sass had the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. That's why Bush signed the Born Infant Alive Protection Act. That's why there was a push to protect babies who were born alive during botched abortions while the left said that never happens. They said that never happens. Babies are never born alive in the process of an abortion, despite the fact that you and I, Dr. Brent, all know abortion survivors. And they deny that they exist because they're the greatest bane of the pro-abortion movement. They strike fear into the heart of the culture of death because they're a living example of someone who should have been killed but wasn't and can stand there today and say, I was the same person then that I am now. So this just also proves the reality of infanticide. Because do we really think, Dr. Brent, that Santangelo and these other abortionists, in that circumstance that a baby might be born alive, they probably just, you know, they probably just clean the baby up, right, I'd imagine, in 100% of circumstances, make the baby nice and warm, you know, go through the process that a hospital would when a wanted baby is delivered. Of course not. Of course not. They go, they go full on, uh, uh, what's a Philadelphia guy's name? I always forget it. Um, Gosnell. They go full on Gosnell and they just snip their spinal cords. So anyways, I just wanted to touch on that too because you just touched on it that, well, what happens now if if she goes into labor or or she goes into labor at the abortion center and she's about to and she gets there and the baby's born alive before they can dismember it? Well, yes, now you're talking about born alive babies who will probably be murdered or have their brains sucked out. Anyways, continue. So remember the woman speaking to her said no and it must have they she had to have told the clinic worker that the baby the fetus was a female because they both kept referring to 
the child as a she. Is she, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the abortion industry. Abortion's the ultimate misogyny. You know, abortion says to the baby girl, oh, your parents wanted a boy. Sorry, not sorry. You know, um, so we don't know why she presented herself as wanting to have the abortion. But regardless, um, the clinic worker told the patient that we don't do the injection to stop the heart. So back up for a minute and think, okay, then how are you guaranteeing that this baby will be completely comfortable while it's being pulled out in pieces? <laughs> it has to be dead somehow. If, if you're guaranteeing that the child won't feel anything because it's already dead, how's he going to make that happen when he doesn't inject the heart with poison first? Well, Dr. San Angelo waits until the cervix is dilated. Then he goes in and finds a loop of umbilical cord and cuts it so that the baby bleeds to death inside the womb. And then once the baby has bled to death, then of course it's not going to feel anything as its arms and legs are pulled off and pulled out in pieces. So you remember she said, we do it as humanely as possible and that she, the baby, will have definitely passed before he does anything. She's already gone. Yeah. As humanely as possible. Um, can you <laughs> yeah. imagine the outcry from the left if we proposed a new means of capital punishment to execute condemned murderers by just sticking a big needle in their brachial artery and letting them bleed to death? They would be opposed, you know, by the ACLU, by Humane, everyone under possible. the sun from the left. Yeah. So, or how about puppies? How about puppies? No, <laughs> you wouldn't do this to a puppy. You don't euthanize puppies. You don't euthanize old dying dogs by bleeding them to death. Yeah. Um, but... We, we make the fetus comfortable before it's but dismembered. But if it's a, if it's a human, it right, death. exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's why G.K. Chesterton once said, wherever there is animal worship, there will be human sacrifice. Um, and, yeah. and we've been we've been in that in that culture for quite some time now. Um, uh, unbelievable. Um, and, and this is this this man has been doing this for decades, Dr. Brent. This this man, mm -hmm. I, I tried to do the calculation one time. Uh, I think we, I think we talked about it. I tried to figure out kind of how many abortions he he was doing a month at that center, um, how many in the third I trimester, don't. and how long he had been in business. I came up with a rough figure. We talked about it in in the episode we did called Santangelo, the serial murderer. But I mean, this guy has killed uh, probably tens of thousands of children in over yeah. the course of his career. And and this woman even says in the video, she says we specialize in this far along. Meaning, like, this is our specialty. We're, we're the best at killing third trimester babies. Um, and yet, if, 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 if we were to ask a pro-choicer, Dr. Brent, hey, hey, I, you know, I hate babies too. You know, if it's not wanted, it shouldn't disrupt mother's lifestyle. So, you know, sometimes abortions get botched, pro-choicer. Sometimes abortions get botched and they weren't performed well. So I really want to make sure that mom gets what she paid for. Because when you pay for an abortion, you're paying for a murdered child, right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. So, hey, I just want to make sure mom gets what she paid for. So, would you support um, making abortions legal in the fourth trimester? Hey, this is all I mean, is if the baby's born alive in the process of a third trimester abortion um, because of some accident, would you support the legality of Santangelo snipping the spinal cord right 
after baby's born, Dr. Brent, and then allowing the baby to suffocate to death. Or if it starts breathing too quickly, right, and it, maybe, it's, maybe it's far enough along that it, it could actually survive breathing its own oxygen through its own lungs, then, you know, I mean, we'll just take a little hammer, okay, or a little forcep, and we'll just crush the brain. Uh, we would have done that in the womb anyways. So, I mean, I mean, what's the difference? Really? I mean, and, and most pro-choicers, you and I know, Dr. Brent, would not be on board with that. Some would. We know that. The, the Peter Singer yeah. ac- acolytes would. But most would not. Most would not. Well, what changed? A, a six-inch journey. A six-inch journey. That, yeah. That's all that changed. Uh, and yeah. that's why I always say, you know, they must believe in a fetus fairy. That, that sprinkles magical personhood-conferring fairy dust on the baby. Uh, what else could explain this lunatic, asinine uh, position of supporting killing the baby in the womb in a certain way, but not supporting killing the same baby in the same way 60 seconds later and yeah. six inches later? That's it. That's it. And yet they're not on board with that. And so you guys should use this story and what we're talking about to pose that kind of question to pro-choicers. And when they say no, say, why not? What's the big difference? It just moves six inches. And the youngest baby to have ever been born and survived and is now one and a half years old, Dr. Brett, was born at 21 weeks and one day. 21 weeks and one day. This woman is 28 weeks pregnant. What distinguishes the baby at 28 weeks, whose mother wants to kill her, with the baby at 21 weeks and one day, who's alive and thriving? Well, one was wanted and the other was not wanted. Right. And, and the Nazis had a term for that. It was called Lebens und Wertensleben. It meant life unworthy of life. In other words, the life yes. that's are wanted and the life that is not wanted. And it's, it's the same ideology in the abortion industry today. Um, Dr. Brent, why don't you give us some, some final thoughts and takeaway um, that we should be thinking on, dwelling on, and posing to our friends and family members in these final days, we hope, before the fall of Roe versus Wade? Well, this this piece of video footage is incredibly important for people to see and understand and then to be able to use intelligently. Um, it exposes the abortion industry for just about everything that is disgusting about it. A callous disregard for the humanity of the child uh, that is is there because its parents want it killed the callous disregard for the health and safety of the woman and the complete disrespect for her desire to have her questions answered. You know, Planned Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, they don't like informed consent. You know, they they would disagree with me that they would they would say that, well that wasn't that wasn't necessary for this. Well of course it's necessary. If the patient has a question, the patient has the right to have that question answered by the doctor who's going to be treating them. Uh, period, end of story, no more discussion. That's the fact, Jack. It's, yeah. That's just the way it is. But Planned Parenthood doesn't like informed consent. That's why they sued the state of Tennessee and the state of Indiana and the state of North Dakota when they put forth laws that would require the abortion provider just to discuss the fact that progesterone treatment is available if you change your mind about this. The laws did not require the abortion provider to provide the progesterone, didn't even require them to discuss it with them, just require them to tell them that it's 
there are people who will do this for you if you change your mind. And they didn't want that included in the informed consent. And I've read the expert declarations that come from their expert witnesses in those cases. They twist the definition of informed consent and their wow. their gospel about how informed consent should be applied. It is so twisted yeah. uh, from what we are so, all taught in medical school about how so to Dr. do Brand, informed if this consent. Woman, if this woman... Um, this wonderful, brave woman who did this undercover expose, if she had said, um, ma'am, um, I need this abortion. I'm not ready. Um, but I, I, I just, I want to make sure that, that I'm safe. Um, I want to make sure that I understand how this is going to happen. Um, I, can, can we do an ultrasound, uh, before the abortion? Um, I just, I want to make sure I understand how this is going to happen. I, I want to see, um, exactly how you're going to perform it to make sure I understand. C could we set that up right now? Uh, what answer do you think that, that, uh, quote unquote nurse of death or Santangelo might have given her based off your experience as a doctor? She, well, based on my experience as a doctor, my discussions with patients who have had bad experiences in abortion clinics and based on hmm. what this particular person said in another part of the video, we're not going to be able to do that for you. Yep. That's what she would have said. That's not going to be possible. Now take your Xanax and take your pants off and sit still and be quiet. Yep. The doctor the date, will be with yep. you once you're stoned. Yeah. The date rapers of the abortion industry. Um, this reminds me, Dr. Brent of what Harrison Hickman, a former pollster for NARAL, said publicly at an address he gave at the NARAL 20th anniversary convention. Okay, yes, I'm very specific because I want you guys to quote this. Harrison Hickman, a former pollster for the National Abortion Rights Action League, said in his address at the 20th anniversary of NARAL the following. Ready? He said, Probably nothing has been as damaging to our cause as the advances in technology which have allowed pictures of the developing fetus. Because people now talk about the fetus in much different terms than they did 15 years ago. They talk about it as a human being, which is not something I have an easy answer on how to cure. End quote. Wait, 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 wait. Cure? The word cure insinuates that there's a problem. Right? That there's a disease. Yes. That there's something that needs to be solved. That's not something you have an easy answer on how to cure. Oh, so what's the problem? What's the disease? Ultrasonography. The technology which has allowed pictures of the developing fetus because according to you, all those freaking people now in America, they talk about that Untermensch Lebens und Wertens Lebens in different terms than they used to and they use the word human being. Damn it! They're using the word human being. Gosh dang it. <laughs> right? Because we all know it's a human being. We all know we're killing babies. The people who kill babies know they kill babies. The people who kill babies know that they're human beings because they have to do it. And they have to arrange the freaking body parts on the table afterwards to make sure rebuilding re the baby like a doll, like a puzzle piece. Of course they know it's a human being. That is one of the most damning lines I've ever read 
from abortion leaders. His address at the yes. 20th anniversary of the NARAL convention. It's not something I have come up with an easy answer on how to cure yet, which is why this woman would never be given an ultrasound, and it's why they oppose every form of informed consent, and now they want to date rape prospects for abortion, pregnant women, so that they can be more easily manipulated into taking off their pants so that they can kill their baby and profit off of it. Because, Dr. Brent, uh, which abortions are the most profitable? Which ones cost the most money? Oh, he was probably, I, I haven't seen his price list. I've seen a price list from another um, late-term abortion provider in that area uh, that is $6,000 to kill a 24-week baby. Oh, my so, so here, I am And how an much time does he spend? He probably spends just a few minutes on that six grand. Yeah, not, not very much time at all. So a legitimate obstetrician like myself, I've been doing this for 30 years. When I, I take care of a patient, I take care of a patient who has seen her for many months. I'm with her at the hospital say, when she say delivers. That, say that again. I you cut out. in the hospital for... Sorry about okay. that. Okay. When, when me and my colleagues as legitimate obstetricians take care of a patient, let's say she right. has Medicaid, but we're willing to see her because we want poor people to be able to get health care. Yeah. Um, we see her in the office for eight or nine months. All those visits... We spend all the time in the hospital that it takes to take care of her when she's laboring. We see her every day she's in the hospital after the delivery till she goes home. And then we see her in the office for every problem she has until six weeks after the delivery. And Medicaid will pay me about $1,400 to do that. Wow. So 10 months of work. Wow. Gnarly. $1,400. Two visits to the office of Dr. Santangelo to have laminaria jammed into your cervix after you're sedated, but you didn't get to talk to him. And then a day or two later, he pulls your dead baby out in pieces. Six grand, eight grand, ten grand. That's what it's all about for them. Yep. That's what it's all about. Yep. Um, the problem that America is facing is that there's actually someone that one could argue is actually more evil than Santangelo, Dr. Brennan. I, I know that sounds strange. Let me justify that statement. He's the one killing babies. So on the face of it, the people who kill babies would strike us as the most evil, right? But do you think he'd continue to do that or choose that career path, Dr. Brent, if he was making... 20 bucks per abortion something tells me not you know who might be more sinister than that it's what c.s lewis said the person who who torments you um with the approval of their own conscience uh the person who believes that the way they torment you is actually for your own good I think he said of all the tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims is the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies because the robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end for they do so 
with the approval of their own conscience. Who, who is more evil and sinister than Santangelo, than the baby murderers? The pro-abortion movement and all of their activists and cronies who do it for free, who are more driven by ideology than by income. That's yes. a dangerous person because there is no end to the lengths that they will go to defend and enshrine their ideology and philosophy in the culture, to, to remake the world in their own image. Most members of what we would call the pro-abortion activist movement today, Dr. Brent, the people that you see at the Women's March, for example, the people that you see outside of the homes of Supreme Court justices, the people that are firebombing pro-life groups and pregnancy resource centers writing in red paint, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. The people walking into Catholic churches dressed as a, a stupid book with the, the women in the red things. They're being oppressed or whatever that stupid book was called. Um, and they're saying, uh, Ruth sent us. That's the name of the group doing that. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They're called Ruth sent oh. us is what they're saying. And they're chanting, without this basic right, women can't be free. Abortion on demand and without apology. That's what they're chanting when they walk into these churches. And without this basic right, women can't be free. That's a telling statement, Dr. Brent. What they're saying is, this is a matter of my own freedom, my own autonomy, my own liberty. That's a person who's not driven by money. That's a person who's not driven by checks, like Santangelo is. That's a person driven by ideology. And ideology is a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a drug. And it will take you further and make you pay more than you were prepared to do so. So this is the importance of this battle. We have to recognize that many of the people that we're contending against are not people that we can simply buy out of business. They're not simply people that we can vote out of influence. They're people who are willing to die for their cause. And until we're as passionate about ending abortion and defending life as these activists are in defending death, then I don't know if we'll ever fully abolish and ban abortion in this country. So uh, that was a takeaway I wanted to leave with people. Um, final final um, uh, takeaway and send off for our listeners today, Dr. Brent. And, uh, and we appreciate you coming on as always, brother. Oh, it's, it's good to be with you, buddy. Um, final takeaway. This video is just another exposure of the truth that's happening every day across America. This is the truth about what the abortion industry is, what it does, and how it mistreats women. Um, Roe versus Wade was promoted as a way to make abortion safe for women by bringing it in from the back alley or by ending back alley abortions. Right. The, it didn't end unsafe abortions. You know, they like to spray paint on the signs of pregnancy centers now. You know, if abortion's not safe, you're not either. Well, abortion is never safe. Yeah, uh, right. They lie about it being safe. Um, if it were safe, there were, it's just... There wouldn't be a dead I baby. I not even go there. <laughs> it, is, it is not safe. Um, abortion didn't get rid... Or Roe versus Wade didn't get rid of unsafe abortions. It brought them in from the back alley into the brick and mortar and then allowed it to continue with the false appearance of respectability that it doesn't deserve. Um, right. It didn't get rid of the back alley. It just gave the back alley an address. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good. Good. 
Wow. Thank you, Dr. Brent. Thanks for coming on the show today. Folks, our, our in-house doctor here at Unaborted. Thank you, brother. Um, keep up the good work, and we'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for tuning in today to the show. Uh, we've tried to flip this as quickly as possible. So um, if you're listening to this on Thursday, June 23rd, then I just posted this tonight. But this just happened. Live action just released. It's Roe versus Wade is so close to getting overturned. I really wanted you to see exactly what is happening and how you can fight back in these culture wars, which, as I'm starting to say, was always a proxy war for the spiritual war. So if you're a Christian, you need to understand that there are demonic principalities and powers behind this battle, and it's about time for us to start treating it as such and girding up our loins to contend for the least, least of these that you could imagine. Unborn babies, children in a womb that we once came from and that our Savior entered human history in to redeem mankind from their sins. Thank you guys so much for joining and tuning into the show today. Pray, hit your knees, pray for the overturning and fall of Roe versus Wade. If you want to connect with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com. Follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And if you want to book me for an event or see my speaking schedule, you can get that at my website. And until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted.